The Humans of LQHS is a podcast that helps to represent, support, and bring awareness to different groups at La Quinta High School. In this platform, we hope to amplify each individual's voice so that they can share their experiences. Everyone has a story. The views of this podcast do not reflect those of all students and staff members on this campus. Hello, everybody. My name is Tui. And I'm Emily. And we're here as seniors at La Quinta High School representing the Vietnamese Student Association as its co-presidents. Hi, I'm Steven. I go, uh, I'm a senior. I go by they, he pronouns. And I will, be your, I will be your host for this episode. And hi, I'm Robbie. I'm a senior here at La Quinta High School, and I will be your co-host for this episode. So, Emily, Tui, tell us a little bit about yourself. I attend La Quinta, which um, is dominantly populated by Vietnamese students. I'm Thuy. I'm actually born in Vietnam. I came over to the United States in 2015 when I was in fourth grade. Um, I initially lived in Anaheim Hills, and I moved to Garden Grove in 2016, and now I attend LQ. Uh, Emily and Thuy, what are some key differences between Vietnamese culture and Western culture that you can think of? Um, probably the structural organization of like family in the Vietnamese culture. So in Vietnamese, there's like go do back, and here it's really just aunt, uncle, you and me. But in um, Vietnamese, there's a lot of like different ways to refer to adults depending on their like, what is your mom's side, your dad's side. So yeah, it's definitely the family. So that's a diff- big difference for me. Um, for me, it was a lot about the tradition. Um, you know, growing up in America, we always celebrate Christmas and we always celebrate, you know, Happy New Year's. And there's a lot of like traditional things such as uh, like eating turkey or apple cider. That's very different from uh, Vietnamese culture. Um, but on the Vietnamese side, we have our Lunar New Year's and you have Tet Trim Tu, which is our mid-autumn festival. And there we get to celebrate with lucky money and then we have mooncakes. So it's just getting the best of both worlds, I guess. What do you think about the differences in academic pressures from both the U.S. and Vietnam? Um, I think the rigorous educational journey begins a lot earlier in Vietnam. So you see kids leaving the house at like 6 and not coming home till like 8 because of like extracurriculars. Because personally for me, I had like Kumon and then piano and then English school along with like church activities plus all of the homework. And this is only as like an elementary school kid. And... There's really no, yeah, there's really no, like, hand-holding like I see here. Because when I came in fourth grade, it's like a, the pace is a lot slower. Because in Vietnam, we had, like, eight periods um, as an elementary school kid learning, like, because when I came here, the math that I started learning in fourth grade when I came here, I already learned in second grade in Vietnam. So it was, like, it was a it was an interesting shift. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll add on to that a little bit. I came over here a little bit later than you, Tui. I came in 2019 mm-hmm. at the beginning of my freshman year, mm-hmm. and, and I realize that wait this math is the same math that i have already taken in vietnam two or three years prior mm-hmm. i feel uh, i i realize that the math i'm doing now is the math that i've already learned in sixth grade back mm-hmm. in vietnam there's a massive academic shift mm-hmm. between the two different um countries and cultures a bigger obstacle for me was rather the language and communication and culture barrier mm-hmm. what do you think about that um, I think because although I did struggle, because when I first came here, I lived in Anaheim Hills, like I just said, and that was, I came as the only Asian into the school, and if not only Vietnamese in the school. 
So I definitely agree with the language struggle. Um, but for me, when I first came to Anaheim Hills, I was the only Asian kid in my elementary school, if not the only Vietnamese. Um, and it was quite a struggle because when I came, of course, I knew a little bit of English, but not enough to communicate well and having a full conversation with everyone. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a struggle. I think it's like really interesting, mm -hmm. like hearing from your perspective, uh, Robbie and mm -hmm. Tui, uh, because like for me, again, like I grew up in Little Saigon, so um, I felt like I was already embedded within, you know, California's public education, and I didn't feel a shift because I was always in this system, right? But um, the academic pressure, uh, thankfully for me, I didn't really feel it when I was younger, like in elementary. I was always surrounded with a bunch of other Vietnamese students. So I just went with the flow. You know, we learn what we learn. But when I grew older, it became more apparent, especially when your parents start getting more worried about your grades as well. And I think for me, the moment where I started worrying about my grades was the transition to middle school. Because in middle school, I didn't even know what the difference between formative and summative was. Well, at least like something I always wondered about is that I know like a lot of the academic pressure that comes from Asian culture is like the wanting, the wanting of like success that your parents struggled in like their like life in order for you to have better opportunities. So then they're like, hey, now that you have it, you need to take it. And sometimes that pressure is mm -hmm. uh, overbearing at times, but it comes with a good heart, you know, like kind of like tough love. Uh, when I talked, I actually talked to my mom about this too. So I know like often it's kind of like unsaid within mm -hmm. our households, but talking to my mom, uh, I learned that she never really had an education. She stopped uh, going to school in fifth grade because she had to like sell fish at the fish market back in Vietnam. So her concept of like education was very bizarre to her. How like you could just go to school and after school you can go like you have such a better opportunity to get a job. So I think those values she really embed in me as well. So I think like it really opened my eyes, like academic pressure and like, where is it coming from? Where does this originate? I love what you just said. I 100% I, I, I agree with you. It also took me a while to, to see and realize the perspective that our parents were coming from, the reason why behind how, how much they push us to become these main, um, these mainline careers, such as doctors and lawyers and those, those kind of very, very mainline successful careers was because that's what they grew up thinking or saw as being successful. Mm -hmm. uh, they people were. such as lawyers, uh, business people, things like that. That's mm -hmm. the reason why I feel I can understand that they push us so much sometimes to pursue these careers that we may not want to mm -hmm. pursue ourselves. And I would say for first-generation immigrant as a family where like both the parent and the child comes it's like a big shift in lifestyle when it comes to Vietnam to here so for example not a lot of people have the experience um, so for example like Emily said her parents grew up like in hardship but then my parent did too but then they did make a life for themselves in Vietnam but when we came over here they had to give up all of that so you know it's like a big shift in lifestyle in terms of like financial comfort etc so I think um, the educational push comes from that as well when they sacrificed everything just for us to have a future. So I think that's also a big factor of why they push us so hard to have these like, yeah, mainstream careers um, for a bright future. Yeah, I think the idea that like our parents basically like sacrifice everything just to have us have like a future, mm -hmm. it's very like, it, 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 it makes me a little emotional. Oh, but, like, no. Yeah, it's so, it, it makes, it just makes me really realize how like, 
grateful how how like how fortunate I am to be able to live and like um to able to, to able to have food to able to have, to go to school and to mm-hmm. be able to get an education. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that um yeah I think about a lot. Yeah, yeah. I hope that look the people who are listening like I'm sure all of us have had thoughts before mm-hmm. where like we might have been angry with our parents. Or like disappointed because it isn't easy having yeah. these pressures ever since you're young and these expectations like it, you kind of feel encaged like oh what happened if there's other career paths right mm-hmm. but I think like being in high school now I think uh, being a senior too mm-hmm. taking a step back like everything has its reasons as well so it's just us really being open-minded yeah I so want to uh, add on by saying that like one path to success might not be like becoming a doctor or becoming a lawyer, mm-hmm. lawyer. it could be like doing something that they, they really like or mm-hmm. like majoring in something that they uh, really are passionate about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Twi, um, you mentioned about how you uh, initially moved to Anaheim. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, um, yeah. like, were there any moments where you felt kind of like out of place? Um, I would say for sure, because as I mentioned before, I was basically the only Asian kid in school. So bringing like, you know, simple dishes like tetka or like, I even brought mom one time, which is not... Can you describe yeah. in English what dish so, that is? So, Wumamu is basically a very fragranced um, dish with, like, rice noodles and, like, braised pork. But the braised pork is, like, you braise it slowly, so it, like, intensifies the smell a lot more. And, of course, I did get some comments, but, like, you know... And a lot of fish sauce, right? Yeah. So. The, the smell is pretty, you know... Pungent. Yeah. But, you know, um, with my personality back then, I really didn't think about what others were thinking of me. I was just like, you know, if I enjoy my food, I enjoy my food. Um, but then I for sure did feel out of place because no one was there to like relate with me to talk about like, oh, my family was like this today because he had to go to work or like, you know, like the, the traditional Vietnamese household things. But um, once I moved down here, I felt like a really big shift in um, how the community welcomes everybody, um, especially with the big Vietnamese population. So when I go down here, I was actually surprised because I remember walking into the office and saying my name and they actually knew how to spell my last name. And I was like, whoa, they knew how to spell my last name. So it was sort of like a relief to find a place that you can call home with like a lot of Vietnamese people here as well. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say a little bit more on that. When I first came over here to America, before I went to La Quinta High School, mm-hmm. I went to a, um, a, a school called uh, Monrovia High School mm-hmm. near LA, I think. It's like right outside of LA. Mm-hmm. And uh, that school was... Um, a lot more diverse and they had a lot a very big population and a very mm-hmm. diverse population and yeah i can kind of relate to what you were saying about being like feeling like almost like imposter syndrome yeah 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 oh, yeah emily uh as a vietnamese american have you ever traveled to vietnam if so what was the experience like oh uh it was after um i think the transition from sixth grade to middle school that summer i did go to vietnam with my parents and it was definitely interesting. Vietnam is very humid, and there's a lot of mosquitoes, so physically <laughs> there were challenges. Yeah. Um, but um, again, like I talk a lot with my mom, so I'm really thankful that I'm close to her, and she shared a lot about her stories. Um, working at like the fish market, there's always like the fun little tales about like oh the old mean aunt and like the you know like the little scenarios that happened in her past that she still remembers. So when I got to go to Vietnam, I saw that like in real life. Like I I saw the stories, I saw the buildings, I saw her childhood home, her neighborhood, and I definitely even though I'd never been there, I felt connected to it. Even to people that she knew and she hadn't met in like. 20, 30 years and people I've never met in my life, I felt like a natural connection to them. 
because it's just like that comfort. Like this was where my mom grew up. This is where my dad it's grew up. Comfort. Exactly, mm-hmm. and it was really astonishing because this place is foreign to me. It technically is. I've never been to Vietnam before, but at that moment, I felt just like it kind of felt nostalgic. It, it felt really nice being there. So, going to Vietnam in the, uh, in the past, like twice maybe, maybe three times. Um, but yeah, the, my experience, um, I all I can say was that it, it, even though like I. Uh, at that time, I couldn't really uh, speak Vietnamese that well. I yeah. still felt connected. I still like felt like there was like a strong connection between me and uh, Vietnam. The bunny vendors, though, twenty four seven. Oh, I miss that. I yeah. miss that. And the gum dam, ooh. Oh, oh. That's it. That's the best. It's like the cart of like every single food there is in Vietnam. Yeah. It's like a little cart going on. And so, I mean, that's, cool. the best, that's the best way of business back yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And you know, soy is so cheap there too like yeah, people yeah. eat soy like whenever they like you know mm-hmm. it's just like a normal snack well like here it's more like a dessert mm-hmm. but like over there it's like much more like yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> oh soy oh you were saying soy is in the the, the oh the, sweet like, the, the, the sweet, sweet rice, rice. rice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah not not as in the soy bean like yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> was there was there uh, when you guys visited was there anything that surprised you um I guess like going onto the streets of um, the oh, the lights yeah. was so scary. Um, like the crossing, you cross uh, the yeah. Like people yeah. don't yeah. like follow like the light. I don't know if there was even lights that there worked. Is, yeah, no. Like you just go for it. So I feel like I developed confidence. <laughs> I had to. If I didn't, I don't know where I'd be. So absolutely, I would but, say um, yeah. even as a person who who lived there for fourteen years. That is still one of the most scary things for me. <laughs> There's two rules: just walk slow and walk predictably. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Tui, as a Vietnamese immigrant, mm-hmm. what was the hardest part of moving to the U.S.? Um, aside from you know the lifestyle shift and the language barrier and the academic challenges, I definitely um, think the biggest challenge would be. The responsibilities that I had to take on as, like, you know, the first daughter of, like, a first-generation immigrant family. Um, So in Vietnam, all I had to do was, you know, the classic child stuff, like, go to school, go home, eat, do homework, etc. Here, I have to take on, like, domestic responsibilities as well as basically raising my brother. Um, So I go to his, like, parent conferences. I tutor him. And then also, like, I cook occasionally. And, of course, I do all the dishes, all the laundry, et cetera, and in addition to homework. So, yeah, it was a lot to balance. But that's definitely the hardest part about immigrating to the U.S. Even though um, I'm a Vietnamese American, Mm -hmm. I often have to translate uh, things from my parents. And that's something that, like, Oh, yeah, the translation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually the oldest child, too. Like, my Mm -hmm. oldest brother, like, he helped my dad with all the translating, talking to people on the phone. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember I was literally in fifth grade, and I was, like, talking to the banker. It was was an interesting experience because we were setting up credit cards, and it was, like, it was an interesting combo. It was an interesting combo. Oh, yeah. It's very very odd, the the random situations that you'd suddenly be in. Yeah. I remember one time uh, we were, um, I was just at home and then we were approached by um, Jehovah Witnesses uh, <laughs> oh. for the first time. Another so, thing bad on them, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> surprising, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it was uh, gen- uh, uh, certainly surprising. My uh, my mother, who only speaks Vietnamese, mm-hmm. greeted them at the door um, and they, they were very friendly, but she didn't understand what they were saying, so mm-hmm. she called me over and um, yeah, very... Um, and puzzled. Confused, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> puzzled. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so, 
Emily, as a Vietnamese American, what are some challenges that you experience in regards to your identity and how you perceive it? Um, I guess like some challenges for me was finding that balance, like being proud of my identity and knowing like what what I wanted to be, like what made me me. So uh, at home, obviously, it's very traditional. Like I talk to my parents in Vietnamese, the food that I eat is like Vietnamese based, like gum, like rice, which is gum. Mm-hmm. But then when I go to school, it's very different. Like the culture is different. It's much more casual. So um, I think it's just connecting both worlds together and um, finding finding myself within it too. Because I always felt nervous, like I am not American enough. Maybe I'm not like Vietnamese enough. Just because I can speak Viet, but I don't know a bunch of Vietnamese culture. Like I can speak English. I know all these like English shows. Like I love Modern Family. But like if you look at me, you don't think like, I'm a hundred percent. You know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like by first glance, like you know, it's always mm-hmm. awkward there. Yeah. But it takes time, and I think everyone has their own pace in recognizing where they're at with their relationship, with their identity. Mm-hmm. So every day, it's like growing, though. So that's where some of the challenges when I had growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I really loved how you talked about um, finding your uh, pace of um, in regards to like your identity, because for me. Um, it, it it definitely took a while for me to like really understood what being Vietnamese and what being and what being American was to me. Um, I I remember in fifth grade I was like, um, why? I was just asking a bunch of like wise questions and a lot of like personal questions and like it was really hard for me to like really find that balance between um connecting my um. Uh, connecting the Western culture and um, Vietnamese culture. Uh, as a Vietnamese immigrant here mm-hmm. in America, especially at La Quinta High School, I end up, you know, I interact with a lot of the students and I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I see some students, some kids where they're kind of culturally lost. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's almost like they're not, uh, they're too American to be mm-hmm. Vietnamese and they're not Vietnamese enough to be mm-hmm. Vietnamese mm-hmm. and um, yeah, for me it's always really unfortunate to see someone like that who they almost have a sense they, they almost lack a sense of belonging mm-hmm. they almost like a sense of um, of, of of culture and mm-hmm. I, I honestly feel really bad for people who are placed in these situations it sounds to me like you guys have been able to deal with that pretty well and uh, I, I, I strongly admire you guys for being able to do that but yeah, I end up seeing a few of those people on uh, around here. Some are even my friends, but yeah, it's always it's always unfortunate. I might be one of the people Robbie feels bad about because <laughs> I find myself switching personalities depends on the language I speak, which is really strange because I have different level of like outgoingness when I speak Vietnamese compared to when I speak English, or like my tone changes or like my diction changes, my sentence range changes. It's really weird, but like. I become a different person when I speak in Vietnamese. I'm like less sophisticated. I'm more like, you know, humorous, etc. It's, it's really strange. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this. I, speak I would say Vietnamese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. I This is a good middle ground. No, no, no. It's okay. But um, I, I, I would say I do some of that too. I have mm-hmm. a little bit of, I wouldn't say personality change. I think mainly for me, what I would perceive as a personality change is just mm-hmm. how I would interact with my parents mm-hmm. versus uh, a friend. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter what language I'd be speaking since I can kind of speak both with uh, both mm-hmm. parties. But 
um, I can kind of see where where the yeah. shift would be. Um, I'm curious, so Tui, uh, as a person who immigrated to the United States, mm -hmm. uh, you start, you grew up speaking Vietnamese first, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I spoke very, very little English when I came here. I don't think I was like even fluent enough to hold a conversation. But um, as I said, I was like forced into that school. So when I came down here, I just like clicked with English. So I don't know how I learned English so quickly because when I first came here, I don't think I can even. I didn't even know what the word lucky was. I remember that like one combo. I didn't know what lucky was. Um, but yeah, I was very fortunate to be able to learn very quickly and assimilate very quickly. But then I think because I jumped into the American society so quickly, I kind of like lost touch with my Vietnamese culture at one point. But then when I try to hold it back, I'm like in this weird spot where I don't really know if I'm like too American, too Vietnamese, not American enough, not Vietnamese enough. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird place. I, I agree with you. When I uh, when I came over here, I did know. Um, I actually no, I did know English, but I would not. I would not say I even came close to being fluent. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along my freshman year, suddenly something like clicked within my yeah. head. I've spoke. I've I've spoke about uh, this in one of the other podcasts before. Mm -hmm. But I said that suddenly my mind started thinking in English, and that yeah. was kind of like the shift. Do you have that mm -hmm. as well? Where yeah. You, do you still think in Vietnamese? I or? think in English, but I count in Vietnamese. Oh, I can only do math and Vietnamese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This is really interesting. I'm so lost I right now. Yeah, I am. Yeah. This is profound. I agree. I, I agree. No, no, no. I think I started thinking in English and I kind of never started thinking in Vietnamese again. And it was odd. But um, but I, I agree. When it comes to like math, mm -hmm. I do my times table in Vietnamese. Yeah. Uh, when I start counting fast, I just, I, I literally go, I'm counting from 1 to 20 or to 30 in English and suddenly it just changes to yeah. <laughs> just out of nowhere even if it's just in my head yeah. it's just out of nowhere it just it, it does it more naturally and yeah it's like you have suddenly like you have adapted a second first language yeah more than a second language yeah so it's like they're in the same place they're like interchangeable they're not like Vietnamese is my first language. Like, yeah, it is. But now that I use English so much, it's like at the same level as Vietnamese. Yeah. So I just speak Vietnamese now, honestly. <laughs> just really know, yeah. So being ambidextrous yeah. Yeah, yeah. with languages. This was part one of our episode on the Vietnamese American student perspectives. Turn in next week for part two. The Humans of OQHS podcast was produced by Bridges at La Quinta High School. This episode was hosted by Robbie Ho and Stephen Nin. Writing was done by Robbie Ho, Stephen Nin, and Stephen Tai. Thank you to our guests, Emily and Twee. Sound recording and editing by Robbie Ho and our advisor, Chris Byrne. PR was contributed by Stephen Nin. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend.